Why do we cry? How come love hurts? And what's a happiness researcher doing talking about sadness anyway? My name's Helen Russell. I'm an author, journalist and happiness researcher. And How To Be Sad is a podcast based on my book of the same name, exploring why we get sad, what to do when we're sad, and how we can all get happier by learning to be sad better. In this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life, and each episode I'll be joined by a special guest sharing their own story. Welcome to How To Be Sad. Helen Thorne is an award-winning stand-up comedian, writer, and podcaster. Originally from Melbourne, Australia, Helen started in comedy in 2003 before moving to the UK, starting a family and becoming one half of comedy double act, Scummy Mummies. Together with fellow comedian Ellie Gibson, she co-hosts the UK's number one parenting podcast, which has now topped four million downloads and is listened to in more than a hundred countries. Helen and Ellie perform sellout shows across the country, as well as making audiences laugh. They've helped millions of parents come to terms with the fact that it's okay not to be okay, that perfect is a myth, and that new motherhood can be incredibly isolating. Helen is also the mastermind behind the hugely popular Instagram account, Helen Wears a Size 18, and the very funny, very moving podcast about bodies, Fat Lot of Good. She's spoken out about the pressure on women to look a certain way, especially having grown up in Australia, where she says you practically had to wear a bikini at all times. From the post-childbirth days of feeling invisible to issues like body shaming and social media pressure, Helen isn't afraid of tackling the sadder side of life too, always with warmth, wit and bucket loads of empathy. So Helen Thorne, I am so glad to be speaking to you today. What an introduction. Oh, I am speaking to the magnificent Helen Russell, international best-selling author. I feel very honoured. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's such a pleasure. I, I think perfectionism seems like a good place to start. And mm. anyone who hasn't listened to The Scummy Mummies, how would you kind of summarise that and, and what makes a scummy mummy rather than a yummy mummy, perhaps? I think that's such a good question because I think perfectionism was the biggest kind of stumbling block of motherhood that, or the biggest sort of barrier that we all sort of had to overcome uh, when we were new mothers because we had all these books about how to have a perfect baby and how to have, be a perfect mother and all these sort of things. And it just wasn't that, was it? It was mucky. It was yucky. It was hard. You know, there were tears by 9am because there was banana on the floor. And wherever I looked, I couldn't find something that I could identify that was me, um, as in books or podcasts or, or just representations of me. There was no mirror in which I could see myself as a mother because I kept thinking, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. It, the baby doesn't work. I don't work. My husband definitely doesn't work. He's doing it wrong. Gosh. Yeah. So about seven years ago, I did a, a stand-up comedy gig and I met this amazing woman called Ellie Gibson. And we just started, sort of started hanging out and pushing our prams because our boys are the same age. And we, we were making each other laugh going oh god we've had fish fingers three nights in a row and uh, we just used to make each other laugh in terms of the scummy things that we were doing and then Ellie had this great idea said why don't we put all these sort of ramblings on the internet surely there can't be just us surely it isn't just us there must be other mums out there like us and that's how the scummy mummies was born and we put this podcast out there and then all of a sudden thousands of women went oh my god me too me too so it is basically a celebration of that it is a celebration of the everyday the normal the truth the yes the very disgusting honesty <laughs> 
that is parenthood. I love that because I did. You grew up the daughter of a vicar, is that right? Yes, I did. And look but, at me now, Helen. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love. I, I heard you say somewhere the idea of, um, you know, your mother is a, a vicar's wife and a domestic angel, and and that's a lot of pressure on any of us. Did you have to unlearn some things to kind of come to terms with the realities of parenthood? Oh, absolutely. Because in my house, when I woke up in the morning, the table was set. There were lace doilies everywhere. There was like a little lace sort of shawl over the milk jug. And mother will have, you know, I'm one of five children. I don't know. She didn't sleep. She's she's made of something else. And the house would always, it was like Mary Poppins. She'd click her fingers and in the morning, everything would be clean and shiny again. And I just thought, I mean, what, what an image of motherhood my mum sort of gave me. And then when I could, you know, barely sort of <laughs> get out of bed, I was still wearing the same t-shirt as yesterday because that's, they're the pajamas that you have for the night, aren't they? Because you, you basically just slip a bra off through a sleeve and collapse into bed. And I was just like, oh God, I'm sorry, mummy. I'm sorry, everybody. I, I can't. I just can't do this. I'm so tired. I am so tired and I'm working and I'm trying to be everything to everyone. And I just felt like I was failing, but turns out I was just normal. And that every, every time I sort of post an image of that on social media, everyone else puts up their hands going, me too, me too. Thank you. Thank you. That was really wonderful that a community was sort of born out of just being honest. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I feel as though that's what you've done with Helen Wears a Size 18 as well, this idea that I think a lot of people, a lot of the research I've done into happiness and sadness, a lot of people flag up social media as maybe a place where we end up feeling quite negative things about ourselves. And I feel like you have have been a really kind of good example of of turning that around and using it as a place of support. Was that kind of the, the, the genesis of the idea for that account as well? Yeah, because I'd been doing Scummy Mummies for a few years and I had put up sort of posts occasionally about body positivity and being a size 18, having stretch marks, having skin tags, hairy, all the things. And just kind of going, even though I've got these things, I can still love my body. I can still be happy. I can still wear the clothes that I want, even though everybody and everything has told me, oh no, what you have to wear is some kind of Breton stripe moo-moo and leggings. And that is your uniform for the rest of your life. So much um, and don't enjoy so much so much a tsunami of breton so i just decided one day that i should set up a separate account because some of the posts that i was doing were quite sincere and and had a slightly different comedic tone to them so i decided to do a fashion account that was just me wearing normal clothes and i've got biggish boobs and a bum and wobbly thighs and all that sort of stuff. But I love clothes and I wanted to celebrate that. And so many people got in touch and said, oh my God, I've worn shorts for the first time in 10 years, or you've just made me feel better. And I didn't realize clothes would look like that because when you see clothes advertised on say Zara or H&M, they always use a model who's about 16 and who's a size eight. And so you never get a sense of how the clothes will look on a body with with boobs and bums. And so, yeah, uh, just to sort of be honest about loving clothes and loving the body I'm in, yeah, had an amazing kind of effect, which which has been delightful really. And another little sort of sub community that I can talk to. I have two friends who who find that account incredibly helpful in terms of, yeah, one who literally just said, I've worn wearing shorts for the first time since university. And we were at university together maybe 20 years ago. So, you know, I mean, that's, mm. that's pretty awesome. And Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wear those shorts, God damn it. Wear the shorts. <laughs> but I feel as though you, you guys, 
and, and I have full disclosure, I've been on your amazing Scummy Mummies podcast and but you tackle quite meaty things as well. It's not, it's not mm. just the kind of fish fingers and it's, well, I guess that is a big part of it as well, but you oh, yes. go to quite sad places. How do you kind of balance that? We, we want to laugh and we want some light relief and we want to know that we're not alone, but also you are mm. covering some quite serious topics on the podcast. Yeah, so we've covered things like we've had someone come on and talk about postnatal psychosis, where she was basically uh, away from her baby for three months because she was very mentally unwell. And that was hard to talk about someone who five days after she had a baby had to be hospitalised. We've talked about baby loss and we've talked a lot about mental health and just about the really hard things. And we want a space that people can just speak really freely about that. And, you know, it always is bookended with, with comedy and humor. I mean, I will say something wrong. Ellie will correct me. That is, that is how well comedy works. Oh, we had someone on talking. Yeah. Well, this is it. And, 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 you know, we had someone talking about death on the podcast and I, I admitted only read half her book and Ellie's like, fucking hell, Helen, you couldn't, she's, she's come here. She's talking about a serious topic and you didn't finish her book. I was like, I was busy. I'm really sorry. I love you. I'm really, I didn't finish your book. I'm really sorry. So we try and interweave. We, always allow the guests to have a lot of space to tell their truth and their story but there is always comedy in sad there's always yeah. comedy in awkwardness like funerals are inherently funny because it's weird that there's just a dead body in a wooden box and we're yeah and you always do find the awkwardness and the silliness of things as well but allowing both to be in the same space I think and without you're not taking the piss out of the person you're taking the piss out of the outrageous situations that we find ourselves in as human beings and I think laughter is such a great it's a great icebreaker but it's also it is like that balance between um yeah after you have a big cry you're full of snot aren't you and and puffy and gross and you're just like oh my god I look awful don't look at me you know like there's always bits of funniness that you can well again take the piss out of yourself really so I, I like I like that the podcast that that people do will piss their pants and cry in the same episode which I really enjoy. <laughs> a leak, indeed. just leaking, just lots a of little. leaking. That's what a we. Little. Yes, a a trickle. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and I love it. And do you think there's something about the kind of the British and the Australian sense of humour that is that sort of works well there? I can't mm. help thinking that I have used humour as a defence mechanism forever, and it's maybe sometimes I need to be better at being sad more earnestly, which is part of what how to be sad, how how to be sad came about. But do you think? Australians and, and the British have a similar kind of approach to laughing in the bleak times. I, I think so. I think so. And also both cultures aren't particularly good at talking about feelings, Helen. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I find it a, why would you want to talk about feelings when you can just make a joke about it and just have another glass of beer? Um, it's all right. Cheer up. It'll be right. That, I mean, they're, they're the sort of, they're the catchphrases in Australia. She'll be right. No worries, mate. Like, just smooth it over, let's go to the pub and forget about it kind of thing. And the same with British sort of stiff upper lip and all those sort of things. Carry on, it's okay, cup of tea, that sort of thing. So I think there's a, a real similar sensibility to Ellie and I, but also I don't think Ellie and I are particularly typical of our cultures in that 
neither of us have any shame. We're both not shy whatsoever. And we share far too much. Like I look back at the seven years of podcasts and go, oh, I hope my children never listen to that. Um, it's so much talk about sex. Um, they don't need to know that. Yeah. So, but you know, as soon as I get, I, I mean, Ellie and I both show offs. We love telling stories that will get us attention and a laugh and, and all those sort of things. So I think, and I think that's why people like the podcast is that we say things that are probably in people's heads, but they're probably more sensible and don't say it out loud. <laughs> but we're very grateful that put you it on, I think there is put it on the internet forever. <laughs> yeah, with a picture. Um, I think yeah. there is something though about, because you have gained a large following now, there is something about this idea of, oh, if, if, if you can get through this, then maybe I can too. I think it's a real source of support. And what I've been massively mm. struck by in recent episodes, and and we're recording this in, in uh, autumn 2020, but you have spoken during the lockdown and things about how you have had to kind of confront sadness and you have had to, you know, we, we talked um, a little bit about what happens when you have a relationship and you have children and, and things go a bit wonky for a while, but you recently become a single mum and confronting mm. heartache at the same time as coronavirus. Oh my goodness. What yeah, share of wisdom there. <laughs> What? What a year I've had, Helen. Yes, so two weeks before lockdown happened, surprise, my marriage ended. Uh, and so I went into lockdown just dealing with the trauma and surprise of my marriage uh, ending and um, becoming a single mum, but also having no one around me. So I was locked in my house with my two children going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, um, what's just happened to my life? And usually the thing that you do when you become separated or have that sort of major life change is you go out and get completely bonkered with your friends and you hug them and they hug you and you you nestle in the bosom of friendships but um I was by myself so I had to basically sit in the sad I had to confront this sad and I don't do sad Helen I am a happy person I I am the person people come to to make them feel better like I I give hugs I make dinners I I am the giver outer of joy that that you, that is my whole are. reason for being. You are yes. Wearing that is what I like. With to... Amazing purple yes. earrings right now. Amazing <laughs> manicured nails. Lipstick beautiful. Amazing. So how do you? That yes. is, for some for then something that was so alien. How did you even begin to do that? That sitting with sadness. That, that was the hardest bit. And my friends and my psychotherapist said, "You are allowed to be sad. You are allowed to be angry," and they are very big words. And you are allowed to accept help. And that, ooh, that was very hard because I always go, it's okay. You know, it, it, even if it's Corona, that means I've got more time with my kids and I've always wanted a bit of a break and I could just try and happy this sad as much as I could. But there were days that I just couldn't do that. I, I, I keep thinking of Unikitty in the Lego movie where she keeps going, bubble gums, rainbows. And as she watches her world calm down and that's for you Matthew Ashton creator yes. of Unikitty but it, it I just felt like Unikitty going with tears in my eyes going and watching my world crumble and there, there weren't any magic words that could make me not not sad I had to sit with it and you know I had to listen to the sad songs and I had to just cry and I had to accept help and that's the hardest thing and I'm sure people listening to the podcast will know this if you're a giver I'd much rather make 10 lasagnas than than accept one because I'm like oh no 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 no, that's too much work for you no let me let me do it I'll just give me the raw ingredients it's fine no no I don't want any fuss because I get so much joy from giving and making other people smile and all that sort of stuff and it is 
hard. It is hard to accept help and it's hard to say, I'm not coping. This is, today's really tough. And, and I don't like crying and I don't like being a burden. I kept thinking, oh no, but, but, but I'll, I'll say another joke and that'll be fine. And I could some days, but other days I was just like, no, this is a terrible thing that's happened. It's a hard thing. And I couldn't work out why this terrible thing had happened to me because I was always kind, always loving. I thought I was a really good wife. I thought I was a great mum. I think I still am a great mum. You are a great mum. Thanks, man. (laughs) Just don't look behind the other side of the computer where I've hit all the mess. The happy will come back again, but you have to, as my friend who's a psychologist said, to get through hell, you've got to sit through the shit. And it was just, yeah, it was just a new experience for me. And um, yeah, and I just got into, I had some songs that I had to play on repeat just to do like Chains by Tina Arena, uh, that classic and things like that. I'm in chains. Uh, Yeah. And so that's how I got through it. And of course, alcohol and cigarettes. Yes. (laughs) So you were training for the London Marathon, weren't you? But well, before lockdown. Yes, I was. So on the first of March, um, I did a half marathon. On the fourth of March, I found out my marriage was over. So all that I just sort of swapped running for smoking and gin, and that's what I that's what I did. So I had all these sort of you know you just think your life is going along a certain path, don't you? Then all of a sudden, no, no, it's not. And Ellie and I, I think in February, were driving around in our scummy mummy's tour bus, going. <laughs> our life is so great it's so hard to write comedy right now because nothing is shit we've just sold out our 40 date tour and we're both married we've both got kids <laughs> and then march comes it's like oh fuck you you guys no you're not but the gift was we have endless amounts of content ellen comedy comes from great sadness and that is sadness's gift to happy is that you you have so much to talk about if you've gone through a very sad time and then you connect with a whole new audience and what I keep thinking what a gift my ex-husband gave me oh all the material now I have to give to all the single mothers of the world (laughs) it's very yeah Nora Ephron isn't it it's everything is content it's yeah but there you yes. go, you're, 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 you're finding the positive again. Yes, I am. I kept saying to Ellie during the really shit times, so I'm like, oh my God, we've got new jokes for Edinburgh 2021. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, God. So, Fina, oh. uh, I'm in chains. Is that sort of, yeah. is that sort of like at the, the nadir or is that like to help you get back up again? What stage of the of the curve oh that was the 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 pit that was the real sort of yeah when I was really wallowing in it and Mm -hmm. and didn't really couldn't possibly have gotten dressed by about five o'clock kind of thing so it was sort of I had this thing called like 24-hour trousers which was sort of like not quite pajamas not quite jogging bottoms but could be either way and so I could wear them to the shops but I could easily sleep in them and I was just sort of in like 24-hour casual wear for about three months (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> lucky for the self-isolation <laughs> oh very good and for the people of Sainsbury's um so good <laughs> oh, love. And what, so, what else has helped you mentioned speaking to psychologists speaking to friends when you could but what helped you what what was a positive do you know what keeping on working so I kept doing scummy mummies thing so for the first three months of my separation nobody knew that I was separated because I hadn't come out uh, and I didn't want to publicly so Ellie and I were creating really silly videos we were doing all that sort of thing and I think finding a voice for myself uh, a comedy voice was really important because people were saying oh god lockdown's really hard but I'm finding that the scummy mummies content is getting me through so the fact that I could still be funny even though 
inside. I was sort of breaking down and shattering. I think that was, that was really, really good. And I think just finally having a word with myself and accepting help was really important too. When people said, I'll just drop over anything you like. And then a friend one day just dropped an Easter egg over and a packet of fags on my front doorstep. I was like, thank you, Kim. Yeah. So well done, Kim. I think it was just it was just changing my behaviors and changing I wasn't changing who I was but I was just changing those things about me that closed me off to that kind of help and yeah and just saying it you know and it's all the cliche saying I'm just not okay today I really need to talk to somebody because I I just want I wanted to be successful at being separated going I've got this I can do homeschooling. We're going to be all right. But, you know, it was the days when me and the kids just ate biscuits and watched Netflix all day that I kind of really cherished because they needed their, their lives had just changed and my life had just changed. And we just sat and sat through it. So that was, that was really good. And and then those times they could really open up to me. So that was lovely as well. Yeah. And how do you, how do you teach the kids about sadness? How do you, I guess you're showing them that it's okay to be that Mm. okay to be in tears and pajamas yeah exactly and there were times where they would just come and hug me and they're like are you okay mummy it's all right but there was <laughs> they did get over me playing the set there's a song called song for the dumped by ben folds five i and know like, it well. do you know oh my god give me my money back give me my money back you bitch um <laughs> i want my money back i mean it's a modern day shakespeare sort of thing it is such a great song and there would be times like they just go no mommy no we can't have that song anymore I was like okay fair enough but yeah they were really good about it and and I think they learned also like I just said mommy's by herself now there's no one else helping me doing all the household things I really want you to help me and they're like okay and it was so much like it's almost like a not a secret weapon now but I just sort of say instead of going just help me with the dishes I was like we've we're a new family now and this is what we need to do together and so I think it's sort of given us up an opportunity to rebond as mother and children and all that sort of thing. And yeah, and it is okay. They do have outbursts where I could see they've been thinking about things and, and they ask about, you know, the divorce and all that sort of stuff. And it's just been actually, Corona has been a really good time where nothing has been rushed. We're not going quick, quick, swimming, swimming, mm-hmm. flute lessons, go, go, go. That actually they've had this opportunity to just sort of be again, sit in their feelings, which is great. Yeah, and ask about things. And I've been um, speaking to psychologists and um, and divorce lawyers and various people about uh, people going through similar things and the time when the kids aren't with you. That seems to be a major stumbling block. A lot of people find that really challenging. Have you sort of found anything helps on the days when you're not with the kids? Oh, yeah, because for the first hour, everything's very quiet and silent and you just sort of tidy and you go... Ooh, no one's asking me to do anything. Nobody wants anything from me. So yeah, I'm, what, what have I been getting into? Too much drinking. That's, that is one thing. I was like, oh yes, I can just drink all the things. I can smoke inside. I can be 21. So I did that for a bit because I, that was sort of just me going, woohoo, I can the just rebellion. do what I like. Exactly right. And I had quite a few, no, not a few. I had some one night stands, which was very nice. So I had some sexy time with some very nice men. Uh, and that, so to speak, filled the gap. So, so that was good. That, it would. that helped. Mm. Gosh, sex is lovely. Um, so, so I really enjoyed that bit. And now I've, I've, I've sort of eased off a bit because it was a bit like, oh my God, do you know what everybody from 2020, if you go into your phone on this app, you can get a man and you click a button and you talk to him and then they come over and have sex with you. Did you know this everyone? I 
said you did. But, it, but it's such a weird, I mean, it's very different to when I was last dating as well. I mean, that's a whole new world. Yes. As yes, Aladdin sang. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I can show you the world, all of the men and all of the things. Yeah. So I tried a bit of that and that was fun. And, and that's part of the healing process as well is like, oh my God, other men find me attractive. And that helped, but also it didn't, it didn't because it, it's like anything like booze and fags and sex. It's, it's an instant hit, isn't it? You sort of feel the buzz and excitement, but then that goes away and you're still left with the sad. So I think the better things were like going for really long walks with friends, listening to lots of Brené Brown, listening to Glennon Doyle, oh, things like that. Yes, and untamed. making so good. Oh. Untamed. Oh my God. I've we can do twice. hard things. Oh, so good. We can do hard things. So yeah. Good. So yeah. You know, all the cliches about self-help books and things like that and exercise. And one of my most favorite things I've done is weightlifting. And so every week I go and see this badass woman called Suzanne at this all-women's gym and we lift really hard weights. So I am doing hard things. And every week I just lift something a little bit heavier. And so things like that where you feel like both, you know, in, <laughs> in a very physical way, but also I guess emotionally and all those sort of things I was just getting stronger so I felt great that was a really good thing I would highly recommend that to people feeling a bit low just lift something really fucking heavy the proper way don't wreck your back but yeah. um yeah like yes just 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 do that so those, those sort of things just felt magnificent that's really interesting and you mentioned before like feeling anger and I I find weights really good for like getting anger out as well. What's your relationship mm. like between sadness and anger now? I'm always interested in how men and women have very different approaches with men picking anger off the shelf when merely they mean sad and women sometimes pick yes. they mean anger. Yeah. Yeah. No, anger's, anger's a very foreign thing. And also I always associate it with being masculine. Like my mum never got angry and my dad got angry. My dad had a very short fuse and I was like, I'm never going to be like that because I didn't like him shouting and I, I didn't like him how quickly he could go from like, oh, I'm a bit pissed off to ah. So I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do anger. And also, again, I just naturally just want to go, oh, it's all, it's all nice and happy. So there was just times where I just went, I hate him. I actually hate, I hate that man who was my husband, but I hate, I hate what he did. And I hate this situation. I hate that none of this is my fault. I hate it. And, and it was quite, what's the word, um, uplifting or the, that word liberating to kind of just be really fucking pissed off about the situation I was in and like, Oh, I've had to change this and change this. And, and I didn't want this. I didn't mm. want this at all. This is, this is not the script. This is not yeah. the thing that I wanted and be okay with that. And, and, and it was a great release actually not to kind of go, Oh, well, this is a new opportunity and yeah, I can do this and this. Like, no, this is fucking shitty. This is a shitty situation and I don't want anyone to feel this. And that was a new feeling for me <laughs> to, to be like that because I'd always and in my marriage and in all I think my friendships I always try and see the best in other people but sometimes there's no best left in them Helen <laughs> there's, gone. there's nothing good left all gone it's all gone. pretty Empty. crap <laughs> oh, it's no all, all out of good so yes <laughs> that's, that's it. tricky and, isn't it because you're having to co-parent hmm. with somebody who you no longer really enjoy their company to put it mildly that's yes amazing. that's that's a nice way to put it Helen yeah that's the thing and I read books about bust-ups and people going yes and I never saw him again I was like fuck you I have to see this man twice a week oh, but that 
foreseeable eight years. So that, that takes a lot of strength and a lot of, well, just avoiding eye contact basically. And just feeling a little bit sick when you see them. You're like, yes, here are the children. Here's the bag of iPads. Bye. Yeah. So I think that's hard. And just knowing that you're going to feel sick for about an hour afterwards as well. Cause you've got that double thing of like, oh, I've just seen the beast and my children have gone and the house is empty. And then you go, mm, uh, hello, Jin, you can, you can help me feel better for a minute. So yeah. So it's all those, all those sort of things to kind of temper the anger. Yeah. Sickness is such a funny one. I, I spoke to lots of um, different experts when I was writing this book about how many people feel sadness in their stomach. And I definitely mm. do that kind of stress knot. And then that sort of nausea. It's a really mm. odd, is that where you tend to feel, is there a part of your body where you tend to feel sadness? Oh, Yes, absolutely. And I think, oh, I'm so into all that sort of gut sort of stuff. And especially as a comedian, because before you go on stage, all you want to do is have a big poo. You just oh, want you just want to flush out all those sort of that, that nervous energy. So yeah, I feel most, yes, all that sort of stuff in the guts. Yeah. Or, or, or yes, if I'm on a date, I'm like, oh my God, stop farting. Just don't fart, oh, Helen. Oh, just hold it in. Oh, Why oh. are you farting? Don't, don't, don't fart. Don't fart on a date. It could lead to nice kissing and some boob grabbing or something delicious like that. Don't fart and ruin it. Yes. So absolutely. I just think it's, it all gets stored in there and you just yeah. do feel sick when you see someone that you don't like and all those sort of feelings come flooding back. And it's weird. And, and things like you hear the songs that were at your wedding on the radio and you go, oh, Ugh, yuck and, and things like that and they get easier they do get easier and sometimes I've had to play those songs over and over again almost to desensitize myself going it's all right you can listen to Blackbird and not cry so instead of sort of avoiding it I was like no I'm going to listen to it until I can not feel sad about it and then reclaim it and like when I went on my first holiday with the children by myself I went back to the place where we were on holidays last year because the kids had a good time and I had a good time and I thought no instead of avoiding that place that I loved I'm just going to reclaim it as our our place without him so I'm doing a few things like that which I thought were a bit bonkers but actually going into the sad is is even better that's and, and sort of, incredibly brave and wise mm. you feel thank brave. you <laughs> don't know i mean it made great content for instagram helen maybe i'm just a whore for social media yeah. likes i love the idea of like the exposure therapy that's great that yes yeah and there were like pubs i walked past and went oh god we had a nice meal there and i was like no i'll go back there and have an aperol spritz and laugh about it ah! and that's fine i think i'm much better at confronting stuff and not going that is ruined now because I don't want to miss out on things. Like I, it's like, I was like, I can never go back to Italy because we had such a lovely holiday there. I was like, no, fuck it. Italy is still mine. I want Italy. Italy is very good. Like a custody agreement. He got Italy. Oh no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. I'll have France. Fine. The bread's great. Oh, Actually the bread's better in France than Italy, to be yes. honest. But yeah, so I think, I think that's it. And it's sort of, not letting or or you know letting the feelings overwhelm me for a bit and then going all right what are we going to do with this are we going to are we going to let go of italy are we going to let go of that beach place can i not listen to the beatles anymore no i'm not going to do that but it was sad but we're going to be okay and just having like really bonkers conversations with myself about different things because it hit you know as you know sadness hits you in such weird ways at weird times and it's unpredictable and you think i've been happy for a whole seven days i'm great and then you're like i can't watch that film um so it's yeah it's do, you, do you talk out loud to yourself i'm curious yes yeah, sometimes i do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
I sometimes do because there are days where I'll have like two days alone because I have the kids five days and he has them too. And I just, I will have little words with like, with myself going, come on, you can do this. Come on, get off the sofa. You don't need to watch seven episodes of Shit's Creek in a row. I actually do. But yes. <laughs> so there is, there's, there's times where I go, righto, Helen, come on. And, you know, I could just sit and eat in my pants all day. But I think I also feel like I owe it to other mothers when I'm at home by myself because there are mums out there who are screaming out for two days alone. Like, and what would you do with those two days? Well, you know, I've been given a gift in a way of having this time to myself. So I do have those chats with myself to say, come on, you can't just, you can't just sit alone for two days. Come on and do, do something good for yourself and you'll feel better as well. That's awesome. Um, and do you think... I'm interested in if there's anything that you, you, would you tell 21 year old Helen anything? Would you give her advice? Would you say, oh, by the way, watch out for this. Like, I wish I'd known when I was 21 that, that it was okay to be sad, I guess. And it was okay to be angry. Mm. Yes. And I am lovable. I think that's my biggest, that's my biggest thing that I wish I'd told myself is that I, I started going out with my ex when I was 19. So I'd never really been on a date. I'd never dated. I'd never had those feelings and, or I just fell in love with one man and and I thought that was it. And I thought I couldn't do any better. And I compromised and I put up with things that I now think, God, you, you deserved more. You needed to be loved better. I should have, could have, would have, you know, I guess in, in, in lovely hindsight, but now I have to trust that someone will love me and, and one day I will find some lovely love. But in the meantime, I'm okay just being me. I'm okay being alone. And I think there was this, there is this thing about being in a couple that sort of means success and like, oh, I've got, I've got a man. So that means I'm good. I am, I'm one half of a whole instead of being a whole myself. One big hole. That's a- <laughs> A big hole. What a, what a hole. Yes. <laughs> I think, oh, I think yeah. that's it. That you're, yeah. I've, I always Sorry, find that really interesting. No, no, no. I, it's, it's fascinating. I always catch myself saying, you know, the phrase, my other half, and someone has pulled me up on it before. And you think, yeah, it's not a helpful phrase at all. We shouldn't say my other half. No. Bonkers. Yeah, it is. And it's, and it's that. Yeah. And I think I was so swept up and in love with being in a couple I liked being in a couple and I'd I'd been in a relationship like I had a boyfriend at, at high school for two years and then I had another little boyfriend and then I had my husband so I, I had sort of been I have been in a relationship since I was 16 and this is the first time I've been single forever like I'm 41 now so what's that 25 years of just being somebody's somebody yeah and it's it's really nice not to be some, I, I'm, I'm lots of people, somebody at the moment, which is even better. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. so, so that's great. It's scary and it's lovely. And there are bits where I go, I was just used to texting my husband going, Oh, I'm doing this or we're having this for dinner. And there's no one to, to do that to, but that's okay. I'm just getting used Text to not me or Ellie. <laughs> All right, I'm cooking yeah. something really lovely. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, but even just getting out of the habit of that, you know, of sharing the the little mundane things of, of loveliness of, of home. Yeah, it's just a, it's a whole new experience and not feeling sad that I can't share it with someone just going, I, I'm just going to cook myself a nice dinner and that is enough. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I think I probably have all of the, the questions that I wanted to ask. Thank you. Although I just thought of thinking about um, 
Untamed and the lovely Glennon Doyle. The idea that she sort of says of discovering who you are, it sounds like you have been doing lots of that. I realized I'd been polling other people it's way too much my entire life. Whereas rather than just working out, okay, what do I want and how do I feel about mm. this? It's interesting. Mm. Yes, it is. And it's because I found happiness in giving other people happiness. Like I'm like, well, I know what to cook the kids dinner that will make them happy. And I know what presents to give people. And I know all those sort of things, but just to go, actually, this is what I want is, is, is a, is a very foreign thing. Yeah. So I've just got to sit with that and yeah, I'm getting there, Helen, bit by bit. Enjoying it. How does it make you feel when you, when you're thinking that, is it, does it feel a bit wobbly? Do you feel it in the body? It does. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like, oh God, I'm not thinking of someone else. And that makes me feel not complete and not okay. And then I'm just going to cook this dinner for myself and I'm just going to do this thing. Or I put up lots of pictures on the walls and no one complained about it. And and I'm just going to have those things or buy that perfume just because that makes me feel nice. And I don't have to justify that to anybody else. And that's kind of delicious. I'm getting kind of used to it and it's good. <laughs> You're selling that part really well. It sounds great. It's really great. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter if I've eaten lentils all day and I fart all night because I'm at home by myself. So it's all good. And I don't even have to light a candle to cover up the smell. So it's good. Just linger in it. That's nice. what I'm saying. That's... <laughs> That's what I say. Fart freedom. That's what I'm, that's what I'm championing today. <laughs> T-shirts made. It'll be awesome. It sounds like awesome. I, I, I'm sort of ending by asking everyone what makes you hopeful, but I think you've told me a lot of things that make you hopeful. You seem hopeful about, yeah. Yes, I, I absolutely am. And I, yeah, my, a friend of mine said to me when I was in the real deep, dire shits of, of, of depression, she said, he's done you a favor. And she said, it doesn't feel like it now, but he has done you a favor. And I was like, okay. <laughs> he did give me a favor. He did done me a favor, Helen. And, and I feel excited about the new, the new life that is ahead of me instead of feeling like there was a life that was lost. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Helen Thorne. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please do rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help others find us and helps us to make more episodes. You can find out more about How to Be Sad, the book and the podcast online at Ms. Helen Russell. And take care. <laughs>